that we start a new series today. I'm really excited about this the Christmas series called, it's right behind me, is it? Okay. Let There Be Joy. And uh, we're, we're going to get into that. The, the focus of this series is helping us understand the joy that Christ brought into our lives and wants to bring into our lives every single day, just knowing Him. But before we do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug something one more time, probably will for the rest of this month. These little amazing, life-changing cards that we created a few weeks ago that are out on the, the welcome booth, these are our kindness cards. On the front, it just says, something extra to show you God loves you. And these are going to be our tool, going to be one of the tools that we use during this holiday seasons to bless people's lives. And hopefully, in blessing people's lives, we connect the dots between what God wants to do in their life and where they're at currently in life. What we hope is that these are just those little things that remind people that God knows what you're going through, that God cares about you, whether it's making somebody that you know is sick and at home, making them a meal, taking it over to them, or picking them up a pizza and running it over and putting this in the box with it, not on top of the pizza, beside the pizza, okay? And, or maybe it's uh, leaving one of those big honking tips uh, instead of the, you know, 15 or 20 or 25%, maybe you leave a 75% tip and you let them know that if there's any doubt in your mind, God knows exactly where you're at and what you need in life. And this little card we hope, you know, it's funny, I, I said this a few weeks ago, we get a box of these, like a thousand of them for 20 bucks. And it's amazing for that $20, if we'll put some effort into it and invest, people's lives can be changed. So I just want to encourage you, grab some of these, grab two or three of them, put them in your wallet, your purse, stick them in your console, and use them throughout the, the next couple of weeks, and let us know some of your stories. I've used about three or four every week, and uh, I use up all my allowance that I get from my wife every week. I use it up with these things. Uh, so I have to create ideas, create new ways to, uh, to use them, and they're just great. I, I look at these cards, and it reminds me. God wants to do something today, and I could get to be a part of it. Amen? Fantastic. Well, grab your orange bulletin if you have that with you. There's some notes in there. We want you to follow along with us. I know not everybody's a note taker, but I would encourage you to follow along. It's a great way to help you remember and reuse what we talk about here on Sundays. Let me start with a scripture out of uh, a passage out of Luke chapter 2. A little scripture from. A Christmas announcement made a couple of thousand years ago that'll help get us started on focusing on joy. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. How many of you ever prayed, said, Lord, if I could just see an angel, that would just set me for life? Have you ever prayed that? Nope, I'm the only one, huh? I'm just a weird one. Yeah, okay. When I do this, I'll just give you a hint since many people haven't attended here before. Um, if, when I do this, just, that just means if you did that, raise your hand also. <laughs> Good. All right, let's practice one more time. Have you ever prayed that prayer where you want an angel to show up and you just say, God, if I could just see an angel? Awesome. I knew it. I knew I wasn't alone. Woo! That was close. That was super weird. But that proves I'm not. I always think about this when I read these scriptures where angels do show up. I think about the times that I've said, Lord, if I could just see a miracle or I could just, you know, see an angel. But yet every single time in the Bible, like no angel ever shows up and the shepherds are like, sup? What's your name? I'm Bob. No, that never happens. 
Every single time, Old Testament, New Testament alike, they fall on the ground, fearful for their life, afraid they're going to die. Because they understand something immediately, immediately, without a sermon, without anybody reading scripture, that that thing is stronger, better, purer, whatever, than me. You, you get that, just being in the presence of that. And that's what happened to these shepherds. Normal day on the job, man. They, get, they drew the night shift. They're watching the, the sheep that night. They're probably kicked back, got a little fire going, try to keep the, the lions and the wolves away. And all of a sudden, an uh, angel shows up and it says they were terrified. These are guys that they don't have a pistol to fight off the lions or the coyotes or the wolves. You know what they have? They have a stick. And it's not even sharp on one end. It's got a hook. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like These guys were used to dealing with things in life. They're used to dealing with surprises and tough things. And yet here one angel shows up and they're terrified. But let me just tell you, God knows. He knows our hearts. He knows how we respond to things. And aren't you glad that for these next couple of verses? Listen to this. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you news that will cause great joy. Everybody say great joy. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you, don't be worried. What I'm fixing to tell you, he says, is going to bring great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And just in case you're wondering, he is the Messiah, the Lord. Like he, he's the one we've been talking about. He's the one that grandpa and grandma and great, 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 as far back as you can remember, they're the ones that they've been talking about. This is him. He's finally here. Let, let me tell you, in the, in the Hebrew culture that did something to them, these shepherds, they, they haven't been all through school and been to Bible college and all that. Probably didn't go to school at all. Being a shepherd or a fisherman, probably what they did as little boys, they hung out with their dads who were shepherds, and they learned how to shepherd. That's probably the extent of their schooling. But with that, being in the Hebrew culture, they knew the discussions about Scripture. They knew what God had done with the, the Hebrews for thousands of years. And he said, one of these days, a Savior is going to come. Don't be fooled by the tricksters. you got to judge them by the, what God's Word says and compare them to that and make sure they're the right person. And this angel tonight is telling them, Hey, guys, the news we're fixing to break is going to bring great joy to all people. This Messiah you've been waiting on, he's here. He's here. He's going to change everything we've been talking about since the beginning of time. He's going to change your life. He's going to change your family's life. He's going to change history. He's going to change the way the world thinks and prays and acts. This guy right here. And can you imagine really what that meant and the joy that it would bring, that, that, that happiness or that excitement that it would bring to somebody in the Hebrew culture like that? You know, it's, I always think about it like in a really uh, finite way, in a really small way. It's like uh, a couple having their first child or having any child, but especially their first because You've not been through this before. You know what I mean? And you, when they become pregnant, you have nine months, you have almost a year that that excitement is building up and all the questions and I wonder and, you know, and how great this is going to be and should we catch up on our sleep and all of these things that happen when they're pregnant. And then, in spite of the incredible pain that the mom goes through to deliver the baby, I mean, they say it's one of the worst pains you can have and still live, Right? And all the moms said, amen. Right? It, it's terrible. 
Nobody ever has a baby and go, that was awesome. That felt wonderful. Let's do that again right now. Nobody, I don't, I've never heard anybody say that. But can I tell you, the second that they get to hold that little baby, I mean, maybe five seconds after the birth, and they put the little baby up on their chest, and you get to see, see into their eyes for the first time. I remember, I have a picture I want to show you. This is a, about an hour after Luke was born, and that's Jenny holding him, and she's talking to him. She's going, hi, Luke. What are you doing? Oh, you're so cute. And he turned his little head, and he looked up at her, and just staring and looking at her. I told myself I wasn't going to cry. I didn't look at that picture very long. Right then, guess what? It's all worth it. Whatever the, the pain, all the hormone swings, right? The 612 pounds you put on. Come on, ladies, help me out here. Right? Husbands, the sympathy weight you put on, right? All, all the things that happen because there's so many things. And some people have complications having a child and it's super, you know, it's a rough time and all of that stuff. But can I tell you, that moment right there, it's all gone. Like, it doesn't matter. Even, even if the doctors are down there still working, let's let them work. Right? Because I've got what the whole time what I've been waiting for. And for me, that's, that's what, when I read this story, I think about the Hebrews and what they've been waiting for for three millennia, for thousands of years. Not nine months, for thousands of years. People worked and talked and, and told stories about this and then died. Never got to see it. And finally, what has happened is the Savior has shown up. The Savior has shown up. Are you, hold on a minute. You said the Savior, but is it like the Savior? Yeah, hold on. The, the, the angel said he's the Messiah. That means the chosen one from God. He is the Lord. The one we talked about about a thousand years ago, that one of these days he's, the Messiah will come and he will be the Lord of all lords, your landlords, the government lord. He's going to be the Lord of them all. That's the one we're talking about. So you understand, like, like, a, like a child coming into our lives, like this changed the entire dynamics of who they were as human beings. This brought joy. It was incredible. And so today, really through this whole series, I want to bring our, just our focus to joy. You may or may not learn anything new during this series. But what you're going to learn is that God intended to change your life by Him being here on this planet. Just by, by you knowing Him... He expects you to have joy in your life. Not to force joy, but because you understand this relationship. Because you know who he is. That there would be an overriding joy in your life. You know, sometimes when we talk about joy too, we think that everything has to be peachy all the time. You know, I, I, see, I think just the opposite. I don't think everything's terrible all the time, but I think even in spite of whatever we're going through, I, I can sit down in the middle of terrible circumstances. You know, as a pastor, I'm in a hospital almost every week. I'm in some waiting rooms. I'm in some family counseling rooms at hospital that are life-changing. Hopefully, most people will go through those situations once, maybe twice in their entire life. I'm going through them with people every single week. And there are times when I sit and I go, you know what, Lord? It's just a reminder. Even in spite of all of this. The bodies break down, things happen in life. But in spite of that, just by knowing you. Not what I'm going through, just by knowing you. I have a happiness, a fulfillment, a joy that no circumstance can take away. Could I get a real soft amen on that? 
in spite of circumstances. He wants us to have joy just because he's in us. So there's a, there's a couple of ways. I'm going to give us two ways real quick to get joy the way that we have it. We can't, we can't buy joy, right? I don't know. Has anybody been to Lowe's and seen that? Here, have you seen this? Let me show you the next bit. Have you seen that? $695. You can keep your joy, right? Jesus came for free, right? Woo! I was thinking when I saw that, I thought... That may look cool. So when we're talking about joy, I'm going to walk up to it. Like, where can we put? Nowhere at South Point. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, are you kidding? Like, and then I got to thinking, I think I could make this. <laughs> and then my other smart self said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. I'm more of a cardboard box, duct tape kind of guy. You know, not like real functional wiring and all that kind of stuff. So you can't buy joy, Right? Are y'all thinking about it? Well, we'll give it a sec. You, you can't. You can't. You can buy things that bring real temporary happiness for a few minutes. But I'm talking about that joy that the Savior has come. That kind of joy, there, there are two ways in Scripture that we get it. All right? Here, here's the first one. We get joy through the gift of salvation. Of knowing Jesus Christ. There's a joy that happens. There's a joy that comes knowing that I'm in a relationship with Jesus that I don't get anywhere else. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a situation where you needed to be saved from something? Anybody, anybody watched any of the, the coverage over the California wildfires that have happened the last couple of weeks? Incredible. The worst fires the state's ever had. I mean, if you know people out there, um, it, it's scary. It's scary how fast. I mean, you have fires around here, and they're bad. Yeah, we have, we have some wildfires every now and then. But when they get in those mountains and the winds are whipping up and they have fire tornadoes, listen, that puts a whole new spin on tornadoes. That kind of freaks you out. Fire tornadoes? Like, no thanks. The incredible stories that we've heard over the last couple of weeks about people being trapped People are like trying to save their house or save their business and they have their garden hoses and two or three of them. And then all of a sudden they look up and they're trapped by fire. And what they realize is you can't get out of this. You can't get out of this by yourself. And I don't know if you saw, I wish I'd have got the, the picture for you. But the, the emergency management guy that was in his white crew cab Toyota pickup, I don't know if you saw that. It's actually been on a Toyota commercial the last week or so. But it, the sides, mirrors are melted. All the plastic on it is melted. It's brown, like the vehicle is brown, streaks of brown, except where he had driven through fire and pulled up into people's yards, kicked open the doors. They piled in and him drive out just as fast as he can. And he did that like to 13, I think 13 people or 13 families. I couldn't remember. Risk his life over and over and over and over. And I was thinking, can you imagine? Like, you're, you know what I mean? It's scary, it's hot, the embers are coming, and you're spraying your house. You're like, we ought to get out of here. Oh, we can make it, we can make it. You know how we all, we, we do. Like, I always try to have sympathy on people that get caught because I always think, that'd be me. <laughs> I'd be trying to push it, you know what I mean? If we can just get a little more water on that, we can take care of it. And then all of a sudden, you're trapped. Then you're the dummy, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm one of those people. I got trapped. And somebody else is going to have to risk their life to come to me or I'm going to die. You know what I mean? Like that kind of moment in life, like, well, it's been a good life. Okay, here we go. And then all of a sudden, some dude comes barreling through your yard in a white Toyota truck. Can you imagine the relief when those doors open and goes, get in, I know a way out. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever experienced salvation like that. 
Not, not everybody has experienced it like that. I tell my son when he talks, he, he, he tells me, Dad, I wish I had one of those crazy testimonies, you know, where I was just buck wild and all that kind of stuff and then gave my life to Jesus. And I said, well, Luke, if you, if you go buck wild, the odds are you don't give your life to Jesus. The odds are you get stuck in that. That's the odds. That's the odds of life. Wide is the road that leads to destruction and many follow it. Do you know what I'm saying? I said, the greatest testimony, the greatest testimony are the people that don't spray their houses. The greatest testimony are the guys that go, oh, they're evacuating later. And they get in their cars and leave. You know what I'm saying? The greatest testimony is I served Jesus my whole childhood because my parents were Christians, you know, and they took me to church and stuff. But when I became old enough, maybe late elementary, early, early teenage years, I chose to continue to follow Jesus. When I was a young adult, I said, I'm going to continue to follow Christ. He's going to be my Savior. He's going to be my Lord. Throughout my young adult life, when you're so tempted with running around with friends and stuff, I, guess what? I continued to serve Jesus. That's the greatest testimony of them all. But every now and then, there's people like us, people like me, that, that will wander away. And I'm telling you, when you're trapped by the fire and you realize this is it, and then all of a sudden, you see the light. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a Savior for you. When you realize that I, I'm, I'm lost, people would ask me, what happened? And I said, I don't, I don't really know. Jesus came and saved me. And then you read in Scripture where the, the blind guy, where Jesus heals him, and they're questioning him, who saved you? Who's, well, who did this? What did he look like? We're going to go get him. And he said, hey, fellas. This is the message version. You know. He said, hey, fellas. I don't know what he looked like, all right? I, I, I wish in parentheses it says, because I was blind, you know? But he says, I don't know what. <laughs> Is that just me that thinks like that? <laughs> I was blind, and now I see. That's what I know. And that's what I would tell people. Like, I don't know. I was way lost, and then Jesus showed up, and I was saved. That, that's what it is. And there's something about that salvation, understanding that he saved me from something. Like I have a relationship with him. You have a relationship with the Savior. David in, in Psalms talks about that in Psalm 51. He says one of the prettiest little one-line prayers. When he says this, he said, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. David understood, like, sometimes life gets a dragon on you, and you got to stop for a minute, you know what I mean, and say, hold on. You know when I really realized that Jesus loved me? That he, in spite of who I was, that he, that he had a plan for me, that he wanted to forgive me of everything. That he wanted to walk with me and teach me his ways. And he wanted to make me as like his, his friend is what scripture says. I don't talk to you as a servant, Jesus said. I talk to you as one who is a friend. Like when you realize those things, that's the joy sometimes that life pulls away. And you need to be reminded, and we're going to do that in this series, that there's joy in your salvation. That Jesus, above all circumstances, wants you to remember that he loves you. That he came in his little Toyota truck. He came to this earth and died on that cross for us, for you. Amen? I just go, wow. I'm going to remind myself, you need to have joy, Scott. You need to have happiness. You need to have fulfillment because of what Jesus did. The second one, we receive joy through the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit living in us. In fact, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 6, this morning was the U version, the Bible app, the U version uh, verse of the day. 
It says, don't you know that your bodies, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because of your relationship, because of your salvation with God. The Holy Spirit's living inside of you. And you know what he wants to produce in you? Even when you have a bad day, everybody say it with me. One, two, three. Okay, come on. I know he's a little bit late because y'all wanted to see what everybody else was going to say. But let's one time, let's try it real loud. One, two, three. He wants to produce that in you. When we can't, when we have a stinky day, stinky week, when we have rough times, God says, I, I'm here and I live in you. And if you'll glorify me with your body, and remember that salvation covenant that I came for you, I'll bring joy to you. Let's listen to what it says in Galatians 5. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Isn't that great right there? It's like it, you could, he only mentions a few fruits. I'm, this isn't an all-inclusive list of every fruit he brings. But he's trying to give us an example. Like, listen, when the Holy Spirit's living in you, he does things in you. He grows things in you. He produces things like love, joy, peace, patience. And we, and we go, oh, Lord, I really need that. Great. Then get in a relationship with Jesus because he produces that in us. Right? He, he, all of these things right here, the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nobody ever said, I don't really want those things. Like, those are the things we absolutely need. And we look at that and we see joy, and we realize that how I'm going to produce that in my life, in spite of the circumstances, is going to come from my relationship with Jesus. Amen? Through my salvation and through the Holy Spirit living in me. Come on, give me a big amen. amen. Right? Let me tell you something that is the greatest part of having joy in your life is when people see it. When people see it, they're connecting a couple of things. They're connecting to you what God is doing in your life, right? When people, how come you are the way you are? They don't always go, how come you have such wonderful joy in spite of the critical circumstances? They don't say it like that. They'll go, how come you are act the way you act? How come you don't act the way you act? How come you're always like, you know, like that? What they're doing is they're connecting the dots with what God's doing in your life. They don't know that, but they're helping you see, maybe the reason I don't get mad and act like everybody else is because what, God, what God's doing in my life. Right? That when people see what God is doing, they see the joy in your life. That can become, for me, one of the greatest reasons God produces fruit in our life is for us to be contagious. For us to be the light, for people to see God in us, right? It's not just for us, that's part of it, that's half of it, I would say. The joy produced in us, but the other half is so that people around us will see it. People around us will look at the way we live our lives. Come on, somebody give me a nod, right? So the way that we live our lives, and they'll want what we've got in us. Oh, it's such a challenge. Is it a challenge to anybody else? Because it's a huge challenge to me, the way I act. Because sometimes, you ever just want to put it on autopilot? Sometimes I just want to put it on autopilot. Today, it's my day off. I'm just going to act however I feel. Nope, I guess just me. Okay, I'll repent right now. But, but it challenges me because God wants to produce things in us, for us, but so that other people will see it and want what we have. When I think about joy in my life, I think about that. That would be one of probably the top three or four things that this world needs right now. People in the world need joy. And I want us to be contagious. So the second two in your notes, I want to show how joy can become contagious in our lives. Because let me just say this. 
I think it does a couple of things. One, yeah, it's great for other people around us. But can I tell you, when I see what God is doing in my life and how it affects other people, it just radically encourages me. It just doubles the amount of joy in my life because I get to see God's doing something through me. I may not even been doing it. He's doing something in me. Listen to this. So the first thing that helps joy be contagious is when I share my story. All right, when I share my story, what God's currently doing in me, I'm not just talking about your salvation story. I'm talking about the testimony of everyday life. Everyday life. Everybody's got that testimony, right? When, when you share that with the people around you, what God's doing in you, they get to see that attitude change. They get to see that perspective change. They get to see that joy change in your life, and they want what you have. Listen to the way it's said in uh, Psalm 119. The longest chapter in the Bible says this. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. You get what David's saying? He's like looking and seeing what God is doing in your life every single day, what he's doing at work in your life, how he's shaping you and growing you and showing you things. That brings joy to my life, your testimony, what God's doing in your marriage. That, that brings joy to my life, what God's doing in your family. It brings joy to my life. And so I would encourage you, think about your story. Think about what God's doing right now in your life. What, what, is, what has he got you going through? What are you, what are you growing through? What's happening right now that you could share with somebody, this is what's going on in my life, and this is how God is helping me through it. This is what God's showing me through the process. You know, it's funny because that's pretty much what every sermon is for me. As I prepare messages and stuff, I don't go, let me go to my catalog of stories and go through them all. What I think of is, what, what's God doing in my life? How could I associate what's going on in Scripture with what God's doing in my life to encourage you? This is exactly what David is saying. Listen, when you tell me what God's doing, it brings joy to my life. Not because he's doing it in my life, because I can see it in your life. I want to encourage you to share your story. You know, uh, I think Jenny said it last week. I said it a couple of weeks before, that during the, the holiday season, Thanksgiving to the first of the year, There are more attempted suicides reported in emergency rooms than all other 11 months combined. And it's not because there's more bad things going on. It's because the the senses are heightened with all the emotional things going on. We're we're, we're being around family or not. And the things are just brought to the surface. And I want to tell you, when, when when we preach in this message today, when I'm talking about sharing your story, your story may be the difference in somebody saying yes to the Lord or no to life. Not to put, ooh, that seems really deep really fast, and I don't want to go that deep. But you may be the light in somebody's life. I, I don't get to hang out with everybody, right? We don't, but we're all in the place that God wants us. In your work, in your neighborhood, in your family. I want to encourage you. Share your story. What's God doing in your life right now? Revelation 12 says it like this. This is after, this is way in the future. This is some of the future events that Jesus shared with John in the book of Revelation. And he says this, they, he's talking about believers, Christians. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Think about your testimony real quick, what God's doing in your life. Think about that. Think about how he's helped you make it through things. How he spoke to you and given you perspective about things. Giving you understanding of situations. 
Maybe giving you those very things we were reading about. Maybe it's patience. Could I get an amen? Kindness. Maybe it's some of those things that you know that you felt like God is growing in you. Man, I would encourage you. Share your story with people and let what he's doing in you be contagious to them. Amen? What a better time of year right now when we know the stats than to share that joy that he's given us. The second way is this. The first way was I share my story. The second way is I sacrifice for somebody else's story. Really, this is part two of part one. But when we sacrifice for somebody else's story, think about that. I like to use the word invest a lot when I say, hey, let's invest in other people. But can I tell you, in all honesty, it's a sacrifice when we invest in people, right? When we sacrifice our time or our abilities or our finances or whatever that is that we invest in other people, it's a sacrifice, But I want you to think about this. That plan for Jesus to come and give to us this greatest gift of joy, it came with a sacrifice. Think about it for a minute. Let's just have a little interaction. What did Jesus give up? What did Jesus sacrifice? Yeah, the comforts of heaven. Whatever that was, I'm sure that it was phenomenal. Him being Lord of all, not doubted. Whatever he wanted came to pass. And then to come and place himself... In our shoes. The humility that it took. Jesus sacrificed for our story, right? And as I was thinking about this point this week too, I was thinking about we really live in a great country to talk about sacrifice. Because everything we take for granted came from other people sacrificing for us. Whether it was our military sacrificing for our freedom. You know, my my grandma, and I don't remember when it was. um, I guess that would have been during World War II. My grandma, because my grandpa got drafted, or signed up, he didn't get drafted, he got signed up and went off to war, and my grandma moved from Oklahoma, she signed up and they moved her to California to build airplanes. She was one of the Rosie the Riveter kind of ladies that built airplanes. You know what my grandma did the whole time I knew her? She made things out of yarn and macrame and stuff. I never knew my grandma like she would wear leather and a leather apron and leather gloves and built planes through her 20s. People sacrificed so that you and I could have the freedoms that we have. Now, now, let's, now let's bring it to us. What is it that we would sacrifice in our time? How can we sacrifice some time to touch people's lives, to share our story, to help their story? You didn't know I was going to get personal today, did you? How, how could we share our abilities or talents how can we take what god's given us well all i know how to do is this great then do that and find a place to invest in somebody else's story to sacrifice for somebody else's story god has came to give us the greatest gift ever the gift of joy in our lives let's figure out a way to give it back let me let me read you one more scripture second corinthians 8 says this in verses uh, 1 through 4 And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So let me set it up for you. What Paul is saying, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And he's telling them, let me tell you about this. I I want you to know something that's encouraging about the Macedonian church. 
All right, I've written them, I've talked to them, I helped plant that church. I want to tell you a little story about them. This is what he says. In the midst of a very severe trial, whatever they're going through, he doesn't get into all of that, but we, we get a glimpse of it here. But he's saying whatever they were going through, it was a very severe thing in their life. But in the middle of it, here we go, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. We don't know if that was time, talents, or treasure. We don't know. I'm just assuming that it was all of it. Maybe since they were poor and were in extreme poverty, maybe it wasn't their talents. I mean their treasure. Maybe it was just time and abilities. Listen to this. For I testify that they gave us much more than they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You understand, like, what Paul is trying to get contagious and help the people that he's writing to understand. He said, like, hold on, hold on. I know I'm writing this big, long letter to you, but I want you to understand what the Macedonian people did. They had plenty of excuses not to do anything. They had a severe trial. Whatever was going through, it was a bad deal. And this is coming from Paul, who's been through some severe stuff. They've been through a severe trial. But in the middle of it, their generosity swelled up from their overflowing joy. They were able to help us. Maybe they repaired tents that they needed to do. Maybe they built stuff and sold it. I have no idea what they did. But they were able to do that. And you know why? The last sentence says, because they wanted to be a part of sharing in the Corinthian church's story. You understand that? Like He said, I'm, I'm writing to the Corinthian church. I'm going to help them. And they said, really? We want to be a part of that. Well, you guys are dead broke. You can't be a part of that. You ever, you ever wanted to be a part of something, but the very way that you were thinking to be a part of it, you can't be a part of it? That's depressing. And they go, yeah, but God has done so much for us. We can't just sit aside and do nothing. We'll figure out a way, and we're going to help you, Paul. We're going to help you invest. We're going to sacrifice for the Second Corinthian people's story. All right? We want to invest in that story. That's what my encouragement is for us today. One, to help us focus and realize that God has given us everything. Everything. He has blessed your story. He has totally changed your story and infused the supernatural joy of Christ into it. I think no greater thing that we could ever do is to take what He has given us and go give it to others this holiday. Whether it's these little things right here and we wrap a $5 bill around it or we poke it in a sack with a gift and drop it off for our neighbors or we just go over and spend 15, 30, 45 minutes with somebody who lives alone. That could be a life changer right there. I want to challenge us. Let's share our story of joy and let's sacrifice and invest in the other people's story so that they can have our story. How about that this Christmas season? Can we do that? We're, we're what, four weeks out? Let's plan on that. Let's do that. Let's say, you know what? I'm going to be a part of somebody else's story this Christmas season. I want what he's done in me to happen to them. And maybe, you know what? Let, let's finish with this. Maybe joy is hard for you to understand right now. Because of a circumstance or something going on in life. Believe me, I, I totally understand that. When you when you take counseling classes and psychology classes, I mean, they, they, the analogy people use, the professors use, and the books use, people that have gone through really, really tough times, they use the analogy of a burn victim for emotional trauma. 
They talk about how when we go through really, really tough times, extended tough times, it's like our emotions have been burned. You know, it takes a long time for that skin to heal when you're burned. And a lot of times you can feel that that's ultra sensitive from now on because it messes up your nerves. You get where I'm going with this, right? And what happens is even hearing the truth like today, even hearing it, it's just super sensitive. I don't know about that because we've been burned in a situation. And you know, I want to share the last verse with you today. And I've shared this verse so many times in other versions. But I was reading it a couple of weeks ago in the message version. I love the message version because it just puts it in plain English for me. And here's what it said. And I thought about it for the ending of this message. It says, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. I mean, let's just pause there. Listen to that. You don't have to go anywhere. He came from heaven to earth because you live here. He didn't say you have to go there to get salvation. He brought it to you. And it's the same way still today. He said, if your heart's been broken, you'll find God right there. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Right there. You'll find God. And the second part says, and if you've been kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Who would have ever thought that was in the Bible? Something so practical, so touching, so personal, so caring. When Jesus says, I came to bring joy, it's because this wrapped up in that joy no matter what you've been through you can find God right there worst circumstances God's there with you he's never left you never abandoned you that's how you can find joy what about when I get kicked in the gut and I'm out of breath laying on the floor thinking I'm dying emotionally God's right there he'll help you catch your breath he'll walk you through it these kind of verses remind us of the joy that our salvation in Christ brings if you're going through a tough time today I I don't know if you noticed it or not, but every song today seemed like it was about the storms. In spite of the storms, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to praise you. Pastor Michael comes up, relays something like that. His kid wanting something to eat. And in the background, God's working on it. You know, he's working on it. I thought that's perfect with the message today. Because I feel like God wants to restore the joy of your salvation. If that's you today, well, I pray, will you tell him, say, Lord, that's me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Jesus, we love you. These scriptures remind us, Lord. Remind us how much you care for us. Remind us from the very beginning, you had a plan. You had a plan for each of us. You love us so much that you came to bring us joy. You came from heaven to bring us love and joy and peace and patience and even knowing that we couldn't do it all ourselves you put your spirit inside of us but Lord through the circumstances of life through the tough things sometimes it's just too much for this physical body and our physical minds to wrap our lives around to wrap our understanding around so I pray today Lord for, for those in this room that it's just been too tough. I pray that today, your spirit would give them strength. Your spirit would come into their life, would breathe life into them, breathe love into them, and restore the joy of their salvation, Lord. Remind them how far you've traveled to bring them joy. That this joy is not based on circumstance, but it's supernatural. It's got their name written all over it. 
if they feel like today they've been kicked in the gut, Lord, and they're out of breath, I pray that today you'd help them catch their breath and that you'd breathe into them life one more time. That you would encourage them right here where they sit. That as we leave this auditorium today, as we walk across the lobby, as we drive out of this parking lot, that you would remind us that this is the joy that the angel was talking about. This news that we talk about today will bring overwhelming joy. In Jesus' name, it's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Would you stand with us? Let's worship. Our prayer team's coming forward. If you need prayer for anything, we're here for you. Let's do that.